Welcome to episode 276 of In Touch with iOS, the show that talks about iPhone, iPad, Apple Watch, Apple TV, and related technologies. I am your host, Dave Ginsberg, and my guest is back this week, Chuck Joyner. How are you doing, Chuck? I'm good, David. Thank you so much for having me back again. I was surprised you did after the last time. Well, <laughs> of course I'll be here. <laughs> <laughs> you're, looking, you're, lear- you're learning uh, Jeff Gamut's uh, rule. I'm surprised you're being here, but how are you doing, Jeff? Glad you're here. <laughs> And much like Chuck, I'm surprised you let him back. I mean, I'm surprised that you let me on. <laughs> and I last love you, cer- Jeff. Thank you. Yeah, we I all love, love you. you too, Chuck. Mm-hmm. Last, certainly not least, uh, Ben Rathick. Sir, how are you doing, Ben? Good. And of course, he invited me back. I make this look good. Yeah, you look, you look, you're looking sharp there, buddy. Um, uh, so, uh, fair amount of stuff to talk about this week. Uh, there was an Apple Pencil that was announced. I guess we might want to touch on that a little bit. Um, some good news stories, uh, we're about ready to release, uh, iOS 17.1 and all kinds of other stuff. We're going to, we're going to hit some good topics today, um, but let's just jump right into the stories for this week. Uh, first story, I thought this was super interesting. Um, Apple is planning on updating iPhones in store without opening the boxes. Apple has come up with a way uh, to update an iPhone that's still in its packaging with a system allowing for iOS updates to be applied to the unopened smartphones while still in the Apple store. And one of the problems of buying the hardware, of course, con- consumers already, already are experiencing that they discover their devices, the devices need an update right away. We did that when we first got it, when the, the, the 15 came out. Uh, those of us who got that had to deal with that. We've done it in the past, but... Uh, Apparently, they're going to have some sort of pad-like device that the box can just go right onto this and uh, wirelessly update to the newest, the latest version of the iOS. I, I'd like to know how this works. So we haven't seen anything else yet that describes that. What do you think, Ben? Um, it makes sense uh, from a, a standpoint of having everything up to, to date. Oh, 100%. Um, the one thing that has me slightly perplexed doing an os update uh doesn't takes a not insignificant amount of battery life true um unless doing it direct uses considerably less battery uh unless the the phones themselves are sold relatively quickly. Uh, yeah. You could find yourself with some older inventory that's uh, pretty low on power when the customer gets it. It must be because I'd still like to know how this is how this occurs. As as a technology minds want to inquire, want to know. What are your thoughts, Chuck? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, ben brings up a really good point. I was looking at it from another angle, and that is that Apple was able to remotely install system software updates. So oh, I'm sorry, but what kind of security issues does this pose if somebody else gets their hands on the technology, on the on the ability to do so? So I, I love the idea as a consumer. I love the idea of that you'll be able to get a phone that is absolutely 100% up to date right. if you go to an Apple store. Since I usually have mine delivered because I don't live very close to an Apple store, I don't think it's going to affect me one way or the other unless they are installing these things in the UPS depots to do the updates remotely. I kind of doubt that. Mm-hmm. So, but 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 the 
I, I really would want to know more of the mechanics of it. Are they going through what we would consider a normal update process, or is there some secondary secret update update process capability that they've built into the new versions of EOS or into the new hardware that would allow them to do it? Yeah, it, it uh, just I'm perplexed. Maybe Jeff has yeah, an answer. I, I don't know. I didn't. Even you think not about have the an answer aspect. Um, although I'm surprised this isn't already a thing. Because uh, if you're buying, uh, like for an enterprise, right, you can have provision devices that are still in the shrink wrap. So the so the ability to to do installations uh, with the sealed box that's already a thing. So yeah, so I'm surprised that OS updates aren't a thing already. Uh, as far as security goes, I think that's a valid thing. My guess is that um, Apple will have a system that uh, that downloads and holds the most recent updates and is authenticated through some security system that Apple has in place. And um, and when you set the phone in the box on whatever the thing is, then um, uh, maybe it has enough juice that even through the box, it can do some level of charging. Um, and, but then because it's Apple's own proprietary system, if someone were to get a hold of the hardware, the likelihood they would be able to do installations, I'm guessing would be pretty small or pretty low right. because they wouldn't be able to do the other authentication parts with the hardware that uh, that are necessary to do an installation. As far as overall battery life goes, um, and that's a great question. Here's my hypothesis on that. It's not an issue. And the reason it's not an issue is because Apple's inventory in store turns over very quickly. And my guess is that this is something that will happen in stores. And if you buy from Apple... Um, direct and have it shipped to you. Um, if it's coming from Apple's in-country supply versus being shipped directly from a uh, from the manufacturing plants. Yep, yep. So I'd be curious to see if we get any other information about this. I bet Apple's keeping it pretty hush hush. And- Unless, they are, but we're going to see some sort of expose thing yeah, about so, how cool this is, and and I'm looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. Mark Urban will get a hold of it. You know that. <laughs> so it's, it's like you poss- read my mind. Yeah, very possible. Um, next story here is uh, we've been uh, we've been talking about this a fair amount in the last couple months. Is the Goldman Sachs partnership with Apple is very very, very soured right now. Um, they uh, are really trying to escape this deal. I just don't see it happening. Um, Apple Card and Apple Savings are performing so poorly for Goldman Sachs. One executive has reportedly said that they we should never have done this uh, effing thing. Uh, so Goldman Sachs invested heavily in this in the consumer lending pro- uh, projects, most notably the Apple Card. But they also were involved with General Motors credit card, which I still think they have a contract on for that as well. Um, and from the start, the company faced problems with accusations of bias and the credit limit uh, calculations. And they've been cleared of that, but... But it was also the fact that 
uh, they're they're saying in the article here that they spent $350 for every new Apple Card user uh, in 2022 uh, at Goldman Sachs lost $1.2 billion chiefly because of the Apple Card. And they've had a deteriorating relationship. And they go on to say, you know, they regret the deal. And, and it's no question Apple taking this over is not an option. They're going to have to find someone else to buy it or they just kind of have to sit and wait till the contract runs out. And this has happened to other uh, other deals. I mean, Costco had American Express deal, and then they moved over to Citibank and went to Visa. So, I mean, you you, you see this happen all the time with these types of branded cards. So, uh, what's your thoughts on this, Jeff? You know, my my guess is that there's there's something happening. Yeah. Um, but what's really going on? I don't think we know. Um, we don't have any any hard facts to go along with any of this. We just have uh, a series of uh, of articles um, claiming unnamed insiders are saying certain things, and and this right. has been going on basically yeah. almost since Apple Card started. Um, so maybe there's something here. Um, well, there, there's something here, but the th- the thing is, what is it really? Is, right. is is this as bad as it's sounding based on the stories we're seeing, or is that a lot of conjecture that that has just built upon itself? And are we looking at a situation where where um, the the investment Goldman Sachs had to make to get the card started, which is a totally normal thing when you do right. this? is uh is the loss we're talking about but that's that's not a long-term loss and and it's a totally normal industry thing so i don't know i on one hand i'm like yeah maybe the deal's not working out but on on the other hand i'm thinking there's a a, a serious likelihood that this is being blown into something bigger than it really is yeah very possible like i said we see these stories all the time um, what are your thoughts on this, Chuck? Um, <clears throat> pardon me, I have something new to add to it okay. uh, that I heard Ken Ray talk about on Mac OS Ken. And oh. Dave, I'm throwing I'm throwing a link in the show notes so you Great, can add thank it. You. Um, but apparently there was, I guess, um, a quarterly earnings call or something with um, with Goldman Sachs. And I, and I want to quote, these are the quotes coming from the Apple Insider article I just gave you, which mm-hmm. also Ken quoted on his show this morning. Our partnerships with Apple and GM are long-term contracts, and we don't have the unilateral right to exit those partnerships. So our focus at the moment is managing is on managing them better, getting rid of the drag, and bringing them to profitability. Okay, this, this is the first tangible thing that I've seen. Right. Okay, and cool. This, and and this sounds like damage control. This sounds like yeah. somebody was talking too much, and you know, as to to Jeff's point, and. Un, you know, unknown sources or you know sources familiar with the matter, kind of thing. And so, I wonder how much of a, how much kickback they were getting internally. And again, this Apple Insider, you know, characterize, characterizes it as dodging questions. I don't think they dodged the question. I think they, you know, they kind of put to rest the fact that they can't just unilaterally terminate the contract. So, you know, if, if, and so if they're, they're going to try to focus on bringing it back to profitability, which if they are successful in doing that would make it a lot easier for them to sell the agreement to somebody else instead of saying, oh my God, we're losing all this money. Won't you please take this off our hands? So 
I, you know, I'm, I'm hoping we can end up hearing more about this, but this was very, very interesting. This sure sounds to me like what you would say if you know you need to do the damage control, like you're just saying, Chuck, and you want to make sure you say the right things. So you hand over the message to your legal team and they say, you can say it this way. And we won't run afoul of any federal regulations. We won't we we won't cause problems with the contracts we have in place with uh, with Apple or GM. And uh, and we're making a solid statement that's still vague enough that we're not confirming or denying anything because that's not something we can do. And it wouldn't surprise me with all these rumors that have been going around if at some point Apple's legal team or maybe even Tim Cook called up Goldman Sachs and was like, yo, what the frack? <laughs> and uh, and yeah. they and Goldman Sachs is, is having to do their damage control to smooth over right. these rumors that may or may not have any uh, factual basis. Right. If you think about it, it really doesn't make a lot of sense for them to be complaining about how much money Apple was allegedly excuse me, allegedly was costing them or how much profit they weren't making on it if they really were trying to shop it around and unload it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you step back a minute and and we all got kind of caught up in this, but if you step back and look at it, it's like that just, why would you do that? You know, why would you do that? Why would you sow that um, doubt in the minds of your investors as well? Or that's just bad business. Yeah, or in the minds of potential buyers. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, very, very strange. Yep. Uh, I think this kind of, I think this kind of go all goes back to one thing. Uh, Goldman Sachs is a B two B lender. They are, I mean, they are very new to consumer lending, which may or may not have led them to signing a bad deal that to their own admission, they can now not get out of. Yeah. Yeah. I I think what they said, what they said on that investor call uh, is pretty as close to being clear as a publicly traded company can be. Uh, It's not where they want the business right now, but until the terms of that contract are complete, they are stuck. Yep. And the only thing, if we're back to having the discussion about if Goldman really did do a bad deal, whatever that Mm -hmm. means, then that's on them. Yeah. You know, and so maybe they were trying to play in a space they were because I think Webb Bixby um, indicated to us on Tuesday that he had seen something that the their CEO wanted to get into consumer, the consumer lending market, and you know maybe he thought, hey, this is the way to do it. We'll go with Apple, you know, top top shelf customers, um, you know, all the all the things that we positive things we can characterize about Apple customers, and they found out that they don't know what they're doing. Yeah, they meaning yeah. Goldman Sachs, not the yeah. Apple customers. Yeah. yeah, they don't know what they're doing, and Apple knows exactly what it wants to do. Yeah, that's true. 
well, it's going to be interesting to how, to how, how this plays out. But uh, for now, they got to stick with it. Uh, next story here. The FCC in the United States uh, today opened the 6 gigahertz Wi-Fi spectrum to uh, low-power devices such as AR and VR wearables. Uh, this means that devices like the Apple Vision Pro headset will be able to operate in that 6 gigahertz band. Though it's unclear if the initial version of the Vision Pro will even be able to take advantage of this functionality. Uh, Apple, Google, Meta, Microsoft, Intel, Qualcomm all have teamed up back in 2019 to ask the FCC to allow this very, the, the, the VLP or very low powered for these devices. Uh, so it's definitely going to be interesting to see where this spectrum goes. And uh, FCC continues to open up this, all these spectrums to different, uh, different technologies. What do you think, Ben? Um, I mean, this could be very good for the Vision Pro. Uh, CarPlay is... Even CarPlay, I forgot to mention that, yeah. Yeah, CarPlay is noted here. Um, and there's really been some, you know, problems with connecting, well, connecting to CarPlay over the years. Yep. Uh, this could definitely help that. It's it's just another spectrum, another tool in in the, the arsenal of device makers. Yep. How about you, Chuck? You know, I think it's great to see the unused spectrum is being opened up. Um, I think we have to wait and see just what the performance aspects are of it and what right. the manufacturers and vendors can do with it. Um, other than that, it's just, it's great that there's a, a, another, and at least in theory, better option for it. Right. And you, Jeff? I'm all about finding ways to have uh, uh, reliable wireless connections with uh, better power management. And it looks like that's part of the promise of this. Now, it's also possible that Apple ha is building the 6 gigahertz support into Vision Pro, uh, but not having that tested for uh for use licensed use yet so it can be there as something that they can enable later on um which wouldn't surprise me at all if apple isn't was anticipating this uh this uh a new part of the spectrum being opened up and designed vision pro with that in mind um as far as this being a great thing for CarPlay, um, that sounds great, but man, don't hold your breath because the car industry moves so slow and and actually having this in um, your car or even in uh, aftermarket CarPlay heads, it's going to be a while before you see that show up. Yep, that's for sure. Yep. I have just one thing more thing to add here. It seems kind of like uh, the six gigahertz is that happy happy medium between Wi-Fi and Bluetooth. I wonder if this could be something that could enable uh, lossless wireless audio. True lossless wireless audio. Oh, I like mm. this idea, Ben. Possibly. Could happen. Interesting idea, Ben. Yeah, good, good, good analogy on that. Um, last story this week: uh, Netflix is going to raise their prices in the U.S. yet again. The premium plan is now going to cost twenty-three dollars a month. They announced this uh, 
yesterday as we record this that the increasing the cost of some of its subscription plans in the US, UK, and France, prices will go up for the basic and premium plans in those three countries. In the United States, the prices for the basic plan will increase from $9.99 to $11.99, while the price for the premium plan will go from $19.99 to $22.99. The ad-supported tier will remain the same at $6.99 per month, as well as the $15.49 monthly standard plan. Uh, Netflix doesn't offer this basic plan to new subscribers in the United States, but uh, presumably they'll increase it for existing customers. Uh, Now, the 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 premium plan was, of course, the plan that had the 4K video streaming versus the standard plan, which had just 1080p. Uh, and Netflix announced this during their earnings call. Uh, and uh, they said they added about 8.8 million new subscribers. And they're saying that was in, in uh, a direct reason because of the password uh, crackdown issue. Uh, but I, I'm telling you that the, 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 uh, the streaming wars are just going to keep going. And this is just continues on with pricing and changes. It just changes daily. What do you think, Jeff? Netflix finally hit that threshold where <laughs> I have to seriously consider whether or not I continue uh, having a subscription. Yeah. yeah. Uh, part of it is because we, we know that they've gotten a lot of their, their uh, login sharing under control. Mm-hmm. I don't know. This one is feeling to me more like a money grab, uh, j- just a way to boost their their revenue, as opposed to uh, a necessary move to uh, to maintain the services that they're offering. Yeah, especially. And, oh, sorry. Oh no, and, and I just to clarify, yes, a lot of my hypothesis here is emotional. Because I don't know what it actually costs to uh, to run Netflix. Right. I was just going to add before you ask the other panelists, uh, especially the fact that the, the the actor strike has been ongoing, and you know Netflix is keeping money in the bank because they're not having to pay for any of these new series because they're all on hold. If there's any new ones that are potentially coming in the future, they, and the actors can't do anything, so I'm wondering that had a little bit to do with it. Maybe pad pad their bank account before. Uh, 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 before that, they uh, start getting all these new this new content again. What do you think, Ben? I I think Netflix got a little too much steam in their head following the uh, the gains in password uh, sharing crackdown. Yep. I think this uh, this price increase. Uh, not only is going to stunt that growth, I think it's going to reverse it pretty considerably. Um, next, as far as new series, uh, they're not able to commission their own under SAG-AFRA. However, uh, they are able to buy content uh, and they're able to make foreign content, which uh, Netflix, uh, since they're having a bit of a drought in uh, high quality U.S. series has been relying on increasingly. Uh, last thing, honestly, since their heyday eight to ten years ago, there's not a whole lot on Netflix I really want to watch right now. If if T-Mobile did not give it to me free. 
I don't know if I would have a subscription. In fact, since it never got around to uh, integrating with uh, the Apple TV app, I barely watch Netflix at all. Yeah. How about you, Chuck? So let's do a scoreboard here. So they've cut down on password sharing, which is absolutely within their right and is probably a correct thing to do. But that, and and so some of the serious addicts have decided to go back and, and, and resubscribe. So that's the first thing. You know, they, they kind of took away some of the flexibility. They have a reputation for canceling shows that they've developed and earned the ire of the fans of those shows. Um, they stopped they stopped uh, DVDs by mail. So they have alienated a certain faction, admittedly probably a small faction, but not everybody has high-speed internet. And there were still people relying on that, that particular service. They now raise prices. This seems like they're doing everything they possibly could to be a company. Oh, and let's not forget the economy that we're in, theoretically in a recession, headed for a recession. Somewhere the recession war has to come up. This seems like a company that's doing everything it can to alienate as many people as possible. Congratulations. Good job, guys. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> what, uh, and, and, you know, you, you start to, the only thing I will say, Ben, Ben brought up something I'd forgotten about that they can buy content. And so is this a way to get a little bit more money so that they can go out and do that um, as, as opposed to trying to develop it? During, during the strike times, okay, maybe, but it seems like a funny way to do it, given that also, as Ben said, they're not having to spend that money to develop the new shows, that it's still sitting there earning interest. And by the way, if they're investing smartly, a pretty decent return on the interest right now. So I just don't feel like this was the time or under the under the circumstances which you should do a price increase. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that one. It just... It's an interesting time to to decide this. So see where the numbers go, I guess, right? You got one more thought, Ben? Yeah. Um, to be perfectly honest, the last 10 years since the heyday of Orange is the New Black and uh, that type of shows, have we seen Netflix make all that many smart decisions? Well, Stranger Things, another one. Oh, yeah, that one. Did they... Did they- I mean, that, that was a positive decision. They didn't kill that yet, did they? No. Well, Orange New Black, think I think so. it ended, but Stranger Things. Yeah, but, yeah, but, but Stranger Things didn't. There's, Str- there's, yeah, Stranger Things has um, the second half of the last season <laughs> yep. still to to come. And that, I believe, wraps up the whole Stranger Things story. Yeah, what, five seasons, right? There was. No, <laughs> so it shall be interesting, that's for sure. Let's move on to the topics this week. Uh, beta iOS 17.1 release candidate was uh, sent out to the developers and the public beta testers. Uh, and it's looking like the, the as, as leaked dates have come out to uh, October 24th, which would be less than a week from the time we're recording. This is going to be released. Um, we've talked about a number of things it's already has as far as its updates, including uh, the airdrop over the internet standby it allows you to, uh, control how you turn your display turns off on the 14 the pro and the 15 pro uh, music with the, the different changes for favorites um, and be a lot of bug fixes. Um, uh, notably uh, there's some, there were some bugs with the uh, iPhone 15 with a uh, screen burning. You know, I hear conflicting stories where it's going to fix it and maybe not fix it. Uh, but 
you would hope it does. Uh, and, uh, as, as well as there was some, um, screen syncing that across all Apple devices with screen time, uh, not that too many of us use that. So, so it looks like 17.1 will be out for both iPad and, uh, iPhone, uh, less than a week from now. You also have watch OS 10.1 is out as well as TV OS, uh, uh, 17.1. And, uh, yeah, I don't list. You got anything, Ben, as far as anything notable that, that's been in beta? Um, only the, uh, God, I forget what the mode's called, uh, but uh, bringing forward the, the voices in uh, Apple TV when you when used with the HomePod, the HomePod Mini in the first jet. Oh, the uh, voice yeah. enhancement thing. Yes. Oh, yeah. Dialogue. The voice was a dialogue, I think it was. Yeah, enhanced dialogue. Enhanced dialogue. There we it. go. Any anything you anything you seen on your iPad, uh, Jeff? No, which is uh actually good. Yeah. So I think it's ready. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it, I mean if it if it's if it's working and I'm not seeing things where I'm like, oh wow, that's a big change. Uh, unless it's like this is a feature that wasn't available and now it's actually there to me yep. that's that's a good sign for updates yep yeah plus we haven't seen an rc2 yeah which yeah by this time you would probably would have but there was some issues so it's mm-hmm. probably looking promising um so and then along with that those who are still on iOS 16 devices that can't go any further as well as have an upgrade yet uh, apple still continues to release uh Updates to that app. Those are release candidate on 16.7.2 that covers both iPad and iOS. And I'm sure most of it is going to be just bug fixes and any security issues were, were corrected in that. So, but Apple continues to support the, the older iOS, I, I, older OSs to, to keep going on that. So it's uh, uh, good to see that when it comes to doing those things here. So, um, and, uh, don't think we have anything else we could talk about here in beta. Let's, let's go ahead and move on for the topic of this week topics. Uh, yeah. Apple announced a new pencil. Ooh, what's what we're going to celebrate, right? I don't know. After we talk about this. Uh, <laughs> so it is a new, a new, uh, USB C pencil and it's not, it's a much lower price point. It's $79, uh, much more affordable, but you know, it is a cheaper model. It doesn't have the pressure sensitivity, which I think is a, is a big game changer when it comes to that. Uh, we have a link uh, in the show notes that shows the comparison to what the, the three different Apple pencils do uh, these days. And th- that's the biggest thing of, of, of the three. The new USB-C version does not have pressure sensitivity, does not have double tap support. You can't even get engraving on it for crying out loud. Mm-hmm. Um it does support uh, the, the iPad 10th gen, the Air 4th and 5th gen, as well as the iPad mini 6th gen. So most of the more current models, uh, this uh, pencil uh, covers it. But I don't think this is going to be a market for everybody. It might be a market for uh, uh, somebody as an executive, let's say. They just want a pencil that, that they could write with and that they're on a plane or they're in a meeting. And they want to be able to just have a – they're taking notes. Uh, but not from what uh, – what the comparison is, what the, the Apple Pencil 2 does. I'm going to start with Jeff, since Jeff, you're the artist in this group here. What do you think here? I think this is not a pencil for, for you, for sure. But This the, is the, not the pencil for me, and that's okay. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so, mini rant. Apple, what is wrong with your naming? 
Yeah, they have too. the Apple Pencil, the Apple Pencil, and the Apple Pencil. Yeah, exactly. That's what the product names are. That is ridiculous. <laughs> um, so okay, here, I I'm glad that they've come out with this new product called Apple Pencil. It is not a new generation of of the device, but it fits. Uh, I think an important place in Apple's market. Because you do have, like you said, uh, business people, executives that want an Apple Pencil, but pressure sensitivity isn't a a feature that they need. Um, I I can see where this this has the potential to be a much more enticing uh, stylus for the iPad for schools because it it doesn't have a capy-lose. And it uh, it comes in at a much more affordable price point than the uh, the wireless charging Apple Pencil. Um, so yeah, I I I can see where this is uh, uh, going to fit into Apple's product lineup nicely. Um, Brian Chaffin and I had a discussion about about this on Context Machine um, this week, and the the con- what it came down to for Brian was if you can afford an Apple pencil too the the magnetic charging one mm-hmm. then get it because you have all the features right and and my feeling was sure but if you really know you don't need all the features why should you spend fifty dollars for features you weren't ever going to use mm-hmm. it's, it's true you know, Ben I know you've had some thoughts on about the this pencil this pencil debacle of what the is is this one worth even going into? What do you think? Um, well, first, Apple marketing team, you should have called it either the Apple Pencil SE or the Apple Pen to differentiate. <laughs> because this is in a whole different class of stylus than the Pencil 1 or the Pencil 2. Um, well, who is this for? Well, uh a little company they might have you might have heard of called Logitech uh, came out with a little device years back called the crayon. Uh, apparently, that crayon did well enough uh, that Apple decided to get its own chunk out of that market. Uh, the other thing, and I hope I am not stepping too far into future show notes, not only is it competing against the crayon, it's competing against these things on uh, Amazon. Yeah. Uh, that, that that literally this is almost what that USB-C pencil is. Uh, it will natively write using the Apple Pencil protocol. It will charge via USB-C, uh, but it won't do any of uh, the higher end functions. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'd like to know what you, you've got that pencil. I've got links in the show notes to three of the yeah. puzzles we wanted to talk about that are they're just knockoffs basically, but they're extremely cheap anywhere between what, 20 to $30. So it's, yeah, you have to wonder uh, how is the using of that pencil? Um, I'm curious to know too. I'm, I may even buy one just, just to take one for the team just to try it. <laughs> uh, before, before the tip, broke on this mm-hmm. and let me be clear this is where you're say uh this is where 
you can buy this thing for 15 bucks comes right. from uh that part it, neither the tip nor the tip reloading mechanism are all that well made but when it did work it worked reasonably well i needed it to write notes i needed it to draw circles and it did that very well yep right and there. the tips that that's um a good thing for not after not and not yet oh 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 wait not that no um the the tips for apple pencil apple pencil and apple pencil are all the same so if you bought the original lightning connector apple pencil and you and you have tips for that they work on the uh the wireless charging and on the usb-c charging apple pencils which is kind of cool and they can also use every single third party tip ever designed for the Apple Pencil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's where Apple getting a $10 premium over the crayon or a considerably uh, more than $10 premium off of some of the knockoffs, uh, they can say they have 100% first party capability and compatibility. And they can use all the tips. Um, uh, just to add a little bit to that, because well, Brian and I did just finish recording, and he's mostly pedantic, so it rubs off on me. <laughs> I would consider Logitech's crayon in this in that same category with uh, with the Apple branded styluses because it was co-developed with Apple. So I, I would call that a full compatibility stylus. Mm-hmm except that it does not use the same tips. Yeah. Look at Chuck yeah, in here. Full what do you, hardware what do you, and software. Yep. I want to get Chuck in here. Uh, what do you, what is that? What have been your thoughts with this whole thing with the pencil? And I know you're not a big Apple pencil user, but. No, actually, in fact, I was just looking up. I was curious because I, I do not know. Okay. So Logitech crayon is, is right now showing 70, at Best Buy. So gives you just a... a, So it's 10 bucks cheaper than the USB-C Apple Pencil. Mm -hmm. Right. Correct? Okay. Right. And I don't know if you can see it, but it's always fun trying to do this. Right there is is the Apple, one of the Apple Pencil knockoffs that Dave has in the show notes that I pulled out uh, and made sure it was charged and was using it today uh, because of this discussion. And we're right back to it. You know, it depends on what your use case is. For me, I'm I'm not going to draw anything. I'm going to I'm going to make some notes, maybe in uh, in notes or in an application that will accept it. Accept my chicken scratch graphically because it's never going to recognize what you would call my handwriting. Um, and so, you know, I think it all comes down to what the use case is. I just think that you need to really consider what it is. Jeff knows obviously what he's going to do with his. Um, I would tell you to buy upmarket anytime because it seems like what you do now, you're always almost certainly always going to want to do more. If you have any artistic uh, capabilities in in your hands, then go for it. Otherwise, you know, I I just don't get it. And um, I should point, you know, I want to take a a page from from Ben. Um, I'm going to try to help the Apple marketing department too. And say, take a take a page out of Star Trek's 
book and say Apple Pencil A, B, C, or no bloody A, bloody B, or bloody C. I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, it, oh, it they just, want the latter. Chuck going full on relics on us. Nicely yeah, done. Yeah, but but something like this, it, it just. I think we're all going to start to refer to this as the Apple Pencil USB C. If they'd have named it that, at least that would have made a certain amount of sense. But just to call it an Apple Pencil, yeah, I'm sorry. That's I know you're trying to keep the whole identity thing going, but uh, this is a little shaky. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I'm going to get folks here from the chat room here. Uh, that's at uh, youtube.com slash intouchableios. Uh, Brett, uh, in the chat said it would have been made it would have made more sense if they were the name of the pencil and the pencil pro. I think that's probably yeah. a good good way to 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 really name it. It shouldn't uh, distinguish it. It's some surprising. It, it's just lately Apple's has not been very good at, at at naming. I mean, just like we talked about the the AirPods Pro two, they they just updated it with the with the, the USB C connection, but real no subtle. Uh, change in naming because you know because they are going to irritate people who already own the one with the lightning connector uh so you so this just seems lately that the marketing has not been good with apple when it comes to these products no and uh and the suggestion of apple pencil pro and apple pencil i love that um however apple uh, marketed themselves into a corner with Apple Pencil because when they came out with this one, the one that that uh, charges magnetically, they didn't call it Apple Pencil Pro. That was the time where they should have uh, have introduced the Pro moniker um, it, because you can't just rename this one to Apple Pencil Pro. You have to come out with a new model that has more features. And that one can be Apple Pencil Pro. I don't even think they'll do that. It'll just be Apple Pencil, uh, and then in parentheses, third generation. Which then will confuse people because because they're like, well, wait, I thought the one with USB-C was the third generation, but it's not. Anyhow, I'll stop now because I'll just start ranting if I keep going. Yeah. Um, well, like I said, uh, uh, I, it's all going to be preference and I guess Apple's good for them for, uh, actually throwing out their lower end model and people who don't want to spend the money out, they can, they can jump on it. Any more last thoughts on the pencil before we can move on? Only that, you know, since I looked at the crayon price, it feels like, I don't know, maybe this is another one of those situations where they try to introduce something in the hopes that you will look at it you kind of fall in love with the idea and then buy the next model up sort of like we've had the discussion about the way they do with um, RAM configurations and hard drive configurations on laptops that, you know, for just a few dollars more, you can get this one and it does all these other things. And so if, if that's a strategy here, it just feels like, it feels like this is not that strategy because of the USB-C connection that feels like a genuine improvement that is in keeping with the way they're the way they've been moving for to take everything to USB-C. Yeah. So I, I just, I struggle with the price point. Yes, it does have the Apple brand and as good as Logitech products are, they don't have the Apple name on them. Mm -hmm. Chuck, you just uh, 
um, inspired a hypothesis from me. <laughs> I'm so glad I could inspire you, Jeff. And, and here Dave thought he was going to be able to move on from this topic. <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, I want to keep this topic going because it's it, this is interesting information. All right. So, so here's my hypothesis. Um, and it, it's a two-part hypothesis now. Apple has a long-standing um, track record or, or strategy of of trickling down, meaning you start at the high end, and when you feel like, based on whatever their terms are, they have saturated that market point, then they bring out the version that costs less. And uh, and the iPod is the perfect example of how they've done or did that. Because they, you know, they started with the iPod and then they introduced the iPod mini and nano and shuffle. And they just kept working their way down through price points as they hit whatever their goal was. So maybe they've done that with Apple Pencil. And now we get this this less expensive model. The other thing it does is roll us right into EU charging compliance. Good yeah. point. Yeah. Uh, one more note in the in the in the chat. Uh, Wayne uh, uh, said that he uses his I, Apple Pencil two for taking notes and journaling and notability on his iPad Pro M one. That's a perfect. Uh, that's a perfect uh, example of using it for the pen pencil. Um, um, for that, it's just basic note note notes, but. You know, having the pressure sensitivity is is an added plus with that with that pencil. And yes, uh, Ben, we are going to be doing the pencil shuffle. <laughs> yes, uh, just randomly white, shuffle. It, it just randomly writes words. Yeah, right. But it also has a limited vocabulary. <laughs> That's right. Maybe maybe you can bring um. Oh shoot! What was the uh, Chicago Bears quarterback McMahon? Jimmy yeah. bring him out to punky to redo the, the punky QB. Yeah, to uh, to redo the Super Bowl shuffle as the iPod, uh, the iPen, the pen, Apple, geez, Apple pencil, Apple pencil shuffle. shuffle. Yes, <laughs> that's probably really funny for people that that are into the sports thing. So I'm going to oh, go oh. with that was super clever. Oh, for me and Dave, that's hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> I was I was playing to the audience a little bit, Jeff, knowing these two are uh, Chicago people. <laughs> Yes, definitely Bear interesting. Down. All right, let's move on to another topic here. Um, this is interesting. Uh, this was an interesting a couple articles I found here about the about Apple's Thunderbolt Four cable. Um, they called the Mac. They did the X rays and they showed uh, the complexity of their of their cable. And I found this to be very interesting. You know, you wonder why these 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 cables cost far more than their standard USB C cables because of the uh, what, what, what they do, but you look at the, you look at the series of, of, uh, x-rays they show here on this article, you know, there's an Amazon basics cable versus, you know, some of their lower end USB-C cables. And then you look at the Apple's cable and all the complexity and in here, that's as far as what it does and uncovering actual the hidden engineering differences here. Cause you have, you know, Apple charges almost a hundred, you know, raising a few eyebrows, that's $159 cable. Just a little crazy, if you ask me. Uh, and they have the two meter version, which is at sixty nine dollars. So you have that uh, uh, the the little longer, little shorter ones. Uh, whereas you get the basic USB C, USB C two point Amazon basic cable is twelve bucks. So uh, 
so you do a little bit of a comparison and they were showing some of the, of, of the different uh, ways that the, the wiring is set and how, how data transfers through it. And, and you see a couple, some complexity here, you know, potentially with, uh, uh, the way data transfers through and some of them made them some close-up shots of it. And, uh, but I, I think the moral of it's all is that you get what you pay for. Uh, I don't know if I'd necessarily spend uh, an absorbent amount of money. I think the, the, you know, even the OWC cables that we buy, a lot of us buy probably they didn't even compare those, um, look like this is something that is, uh, uh, that, uh, is works perfectly fine. Uh, but I want to hear your thoughts. Uh, Ben, what, what do you think on this? Is, do you, did you, it, it's, is it important to have a, a cable like the apples versus some of these others, depending on what you do? Um, depending on what you do, um, just remember, uh, USB-C is not a technology, right. uh, it's a, it's a, uh, connector that enables several different technologies. Um, for instance, on a Thunderbolt cable, uh, you have through that single cable, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, you have Thunderbolt three or four. You have USB up to 4.0. Right. You have DisplayPort and you have HDMI. Uh, not every single cable is going to be able to do all those. Obviously, right. the Apple. The Apple one is uh, going to be the most complex because it is a full spec Thunderbolt cable. Whereas the last one there probably only does charging, so it only needs a couple wires. Right. And I've seen many times, like I have a, a headband I wear every night and go to sleep, and it's got the you know the built-in Bluetooth. Uh, headsets but you, you pull the wire out to charge it if you, you can't use those cables to charge that device because it's they're too high of a they're too high powered cables that it'll it'll even work um you have to have the low end USB-C cable uh that's going to do it and that's pretty typical of many other devices that are like that uh so it's buyer beware when it comes to using those types of cables like that i mean even the cable that comes with some of the uh, older Macs before the MagSafe you had that that the Thunderbolt USB-C cable to power and then charge your Mac, um, you know, same thing. Uh, it, it really is the, the, the differences of what you need and what you need to, for it to do. Just like we, we talked about earlier with the cable that you can get for now for the iPhone 15 and 15 Pro, you can get the 40 gigabit, uh, 240 watt, uh, uh, 240 uh, USB-C cable that's going to do much, much faster data transfer than, a, than, than even a standard USB-C cable won't do. So, uh, Jeff, what do you think on this? your thoughts on all this with these cables? It seems kind of confusing to a lot of people, I think. It's horribly confusing. And Ben, I'm so glad that you brought up the difference between the uh, the connector Right. And the protocols, because that's so important. Uh, I'm really glad this this uh, X-ray comparison thing was done, mm -hmm. so that people can see that there's a difference between what's in a uh, $129 cable versus a $5 cable. Uh, they're they're not the same. And what I would love to see now is the same thing done where. It's uh, it's all Thunderbolt cables from multiple companies being compared in the same way. Um, 
I mean, just the x-ray alone shows that you are not working with the same technology here. It's it's mm-hmm. very obvious that what's going on in the uh, Apple cable is uh, is way beyond what you're getting in any of these other USB-C cables that are carrying uh, USB protocols over them. Yeah, that's a full-on motherboard. Yeah, there's a chip. Yeah. There's a there's a there's a little board in there compared to the other ones. Where the other ones yeah. are just what soldered wires onto the onto the, the plug. Yeah, but yeah, that's basically it. Um, and uh, and people being able to see this, it's great because you do hear people saying things like, "Why would I spend one hundred and thirty dollars on that kind of a cable when I can order an Amazon Basics for five dollars?" Well, it's not going to do what you want. <laughs> Right. It's, yeah, it, it's not the right cable for a lot of uses. For what you get in a cable like this, um, you, you are paying for what you get. Yep. How about you, Chuck? What do you think? Um, I think Jeff just said it. You're going to pay for what you get. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you brought up the OWC cables. Those are great cables. I'd love to see something done head to head. So that, you know, because that is probably some of those in the high-end anchors are some of the best cables that I've used. So I'd love to see that. What I really want to know is who thought about who decided to put a cable inside a CT machine. I think that was a really interesting approach to it. Um, but a mad yeah, genius. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, when you, I mean, if you haven't gone to the article, folks, go to it because it really is interesting and it gives you a really good idea of just the, the kind of incredible precision that we're seeing. And this is in a cable. This is not in a motherboard or an iPhone board. This is a cable. So think what think, think if they could put a do a CT scan of a motherboard. Sure. And you yeah. know we've we're we're reading in the news about three nanometers, and I guess they're talking about starting to do one nanometers. I mean, it, it kind of boggles the mind a bit. Yeah, it does. Um, I also linked in the show notes Luma Field, which is a manufacturer. Um, that's where they that, that's where their source was from the other articles. That gives you even more uh, lo- more detail that the other articles didn't provide, um, including some other options besides the four we just talked about uh, to see. Really, like here, they even compared a a five dollar and fifty nine cent nice TQ USB C cable. <laughs> you look at their look how very basic it is. There's just four wires connected to this soldered onto the into to the plug, and that's it. So it, it you really get a nice, uh, great view in comparison of what, what these cables do. Um, I never thought I'd be talking about cables here, but, you know, cables are important. I mean, even with your, with your iOS devices, with your iPhone now with the, um, on the 15 with the USB-C, it'd be interesting to see how the, how the lightning connector is. You know, someone did a comparison of that, um, which, of course, that's going to be going away sooner or later, but... Uh, and like Ben said, well, in touch it, with cables. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and it's look, it's possible to over-engineer things. There's no question about that. And so what you have to start to ask yourself is what's hiding inside that Apple cable that it can do that maybe we don't know about yet. Well, yeah. I mean, I think it's pretty much fully uh in spec with the uh, with the Thunderbolt spec. It's just you have what was just a couple of years ago, an entire computer's worth of I.O. in a single cable. Mm-hmm. 
Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, for some people, that's confusing. Uh, for some other people, that's a fresh breath air because that single port offers a lot of flexibility. Definitely. All right. Last topic I wanted to hit, to hit here is um, about iCloud. I found this art. This was an interesting article. Dan Morin was well known in the Mac world. Uh, on Mac world, uh, he wrote this on uh, on Apple has a high cloud problem. You know, the basic free to all features are desperately in need for some uh, uh, some tender ministrations. It's been a long time where we've been putting up with the basic iCloud space, which is. Uh, um, only five gigabytes and you'll fill that up in about one minute <laughs> when it comes mm. to uh, all your photos and anything else. Uh, but uh, it really, it, I think they've, they have done some improvements. I have to say, and I agree. I, I, I uh, agree with, um, uh, with him and his saying that uh, they'd have some improvements and it does have um, a little bit compelling reasons to use it over like a Dropbox or such of that, but really it's dependent on the, your usage when it comes to iCloud. I think the bottom line is when it comes to iCloud is the fact that it's there automatically. Most consumers don't want to deal with the uh, deal with it. And the nice thing of the fact is it's there to back it up, but you got to get these people to understand you do have to pay a little bit to have enough space to store your photos. Uh, even if you get the the simple 50 gigabyte plan, the, the smaller plan, um, it, it isn't a bad idea. Um, he also talks about a little bit as mail. It's a bit of a mixed bag reliability issues with iCloud mail. It's going back to the, the old iTools era. If you remember that, uh, mm. a lot of issues when it comes to mail as well. So I think, I think, uh, Apple has a little bit to do and I don't understand why they won't take the time to start, you know, doing this updates. And there are a lot of things I, I agree with, uh, with the end on this, as far as, what we should do it with iCloud? It should should they be making some improvements? They're long overdue. What do you? I want like your thoughts on this, Chuck. Where where do you think iCloud is? And do do you find it that it needs some drastic updates? I I think it does. Um, I would like to see some things. You know, I'd I'd love to see what we what we perceive we're seeing in the in the current Mac OS and the current I, I, iOS right. as you know. A, a, a polishing off, you know, addressing some of the bugs and issues and problems. Um, you know, I I can argue with people all day long about, you know, what what you should be entitled to and the usefulness, uh, because it feels like, I mean, if it, everybody else charges you for for storage space for photos or for anything, what Apple gives you is arguably adequate to back up your system. And that's about it. If you want to start storing photos, you need to, to buy more. And that doesn't feel inconsistent with what the market offers. Right. So, you know, I I feel like my use of iCloud, I mean, I don't use Apple Mail that much, um, either the, the, the service or the app. So I'm probably not the one to really comment too much on that. I do seem to hear a number of, you know, issues around that. That seems to be a, a low-level constant and that seems like that should be arguably something that, of all people, Apple could clean up. Right. The rest of it, you know, I I think we need a vision for iCloud. And right now, Apple seems to have executed on the vision that they had. They just haven't revised the, the vision for a while. Meanwhile, a lot of people are out there second-guessing it based on what other services are doing. Funny thing about those other services, though, they're charging. 
they charge more. Right. So Jeff, Jeff, you use Apple Mail all the time, but I think he's talking a lot about iCloud Mail, you know, using iCloud.com or or Mac.com, that server service. But but there's yeah. there's there's challenges with Apple Mail for sure. There always has been. Uh, there are challenges with Apple Mail. But since we're talking about uh, Apple's cloud services, I won't go into that. Um, as far as as iCloud Mail goes, um, it's not my primary email. Right. So if I've had trouble with it, I haven't been aware of it because it's been resolved before I noticed. Right. As far as what Apple gives us for free, just because we we have our our um uh uh I, I almost said i tune i i tools account and then started to correct myself to our dot mac accounts i guess it tells you how long I, i've been doing this Global but me. um <laughs> um we're at a place right now where apple expects us to be using cloud services for our data management and backups and uh, and and I'm okay with that. The problem that I have is that we get the the five gig storage for free with with our accounts. If Apple wants me to back up, tell me which of my devices that's sufficient storage for for a proper backup. Yep. My my feeling is if. If people want to sign up for an iCloud account and then Apple gives them five gig of storage for free, that's fine. But as soon as you buy an iPhone, they they should include enough storage to be able to back up your iPhone. That should just be part of the package. And uh, And so as long as you have your iPhone then you have that extra storage that goes along with it because you have an iPhone and they want you to back it up. Um, add in an iPad. Okay, now you get a storage allotment for backups for iPad. And that can even be separate from just regular cloud storage. It's just yeah. your your dedicated device backup storage. Um, and uh, And if Apple doesn't want to do that, then don't put us in a position where they expect us to use cloud services for all of our data. Yep. No, I can't agree with you more on that. No, for sure. For sure. Um, Jeff, Jeff, what would you have them back? What, what would you have them backing up? Um, the, the data from your device, which could be separate from photos. You don't need backup applications because those reinstall anyhow. Um, but uh, if if Apple's expecting us to use their cloud services for for our data, give me enough for the uh, uh, backup storage space for whatever the average iPhone user is. Yep. Yeah. Great. Ben, we'll throw yeah. you in here before, before before we wrap up here. What uh, what what are your thoughts on this? I mean, honestly. Um. To basically use an iPhone, iPhone, you have to pay Apple three bucks a month minimum. Right. Um, mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah. Uh, right. With what the with the importance they're starting to put on services, um, it wouldn't make sense from Apple's point of view to give give that three dollars back. 
I, I get that. Um, I mean, I think in this new cloud interconnected world, uh, the fact that you will probably have one, if not more, data plans from, um, you know, iCloud, Google One, or OneDrive is just uh, a reality of the modern world. For us. Now, for when you get outside of our echo chamber, it's right. a different story. I'll, I'll use my parents as an example. I got a call one day from my dad and he was very confused because he he was getting these alerts on his iPhone that he needed more storage. And uh, at what, what it was was iCloud or Apple had done the thing where, where it's like, hey, store your photos here. And it's not clear to the average user what that means. And so he immediately just filled up his iCloud storage and and I had set him up so that he was backing up as well. He didn't have enough storage. And uh, and so he he was pushed into having to pay for something without understanding why he was having to pay for it and and not understanding what it actually meant mm -hmm. to have that storage. For for you and me, sure, we've got Dropbox and iCloud and uh, and uh, Box and whatever else, and uh, probably OneDrive, and we get how we can use all those things. But the average person doesn't get that. That's right. And that's is it Apple's responsibility to make sure people understand how to use it. I don't think so. However, when they vague people into having to pay for services, that's not cool. So, and I want to play devil's advocate here for a second, um, because Jeff, I agree with that last statement. I, I like the way you said it: vague them into. Um, sometimes I think all the tech companies have their picture, have their face a little too close to the picture, and they kind of forget that we. The, the the normal people out there, because we certainly are not normal, are are you know not really completely understanding what's going on. But and I don't know this, so somebody somebody correct me. Um, does does Android uh, or Samsung or any of those do they give you an online backup option of any kind as part of their as part of you signing up for their service? I I'd, looking at Google One, I think what they offer is fairly close to what Apple does. Uh, the only okay. difference is like uh, Gmail has its own bucket, I think. Right. So I, I guess where I was going with this is if I buy an Android phone tomorrow, do I have an option to have anything backed up, documents, settings, anything at all without? purchasing a service from Dropbox, Box, whomever. I i don't think so, but I, yeah. I'm not an Android user, so I would want to be corrected on that. Yeah, I'm not sure. But if you look at it that way, Apple's ahead of the game. And Ben, if you're right, and my Google service comes with X number of, of gigs of storage, then it's in parity with Apple. But nobody's complaining about that. 
So it, is it a chance for Apple to be a little bit of a differentiator and add a little more value? Yeah, maybe. But until they have competition, they've chosen not to. Yep. And if I, and folks, if I'm wrong about that, please, somebody let me know because I would like to yep. be properly informed. Send us an email here. Be back at yeah, it. Yeah, I, I, need, I need to read this whole uh, Google article, but... Um, I'm seeing 15 gigs. I thought 15 gigs covers Gmail and, and storage. Yeah. Oh, okay. So this is related to Google photos. Right. Um, oh, okay. So photos and video, um, count towards, uh, your 15 gig of Google account cloud storage. Right. Okay. So. Uh, so that 15 gig is everything, including backups. Correct. Okay. And for Apple, that's five, five gig. Five gigs. Yep. So does, does mail count into Apple's five gigs? Mm-hmm. I, yes, it does. Okay. Okay. Then that discounts some of what I said. But it's also not integrated in necessarily as an automatic, an automatic, automatic, easily turn onable. Is that a word? Service. Turn onable. I love that. <laughs> I think I'll get a T-shirt with that. Turn onable. <laughs> well, uh, you, you you might get some dirty looks, Chuck. <laughs> All right. So, so it looks like for Google, uh, fifteen gig of clouds. On their free cloud storage plan, they offer three other standard plans, 100, 200 gig, and two terabyte. And uh, and I'm reading this from someone else's article. And instead of actually just listing the prices, um, it's, it says each plan costs less than $10 per month. So that's kind of lame. Just put, if you're going to take the time to write that, put the put the prices in. Holy crap, people. Right. Don't be lazy. Well, I would have kicked that back to the writer and said, put the words in. Do it. <laughs> it, right. it implies you're paying the same price for the lower tiers as the higher tiers. Yeah. yeah. On that note, let's go ahead and wrap up for this week. That was a great conversation. I'm so glad we talked about the clouds. I knew that would be a good lively conversation. Uh, thanks to everybody in the chat room at uh, you know, youtube.com slash in touch with IS web. Uh, thank you as well as Cletus and others. And uh, we appreciate you being here. So that's a wrap for this week. Please send your comments, questions, and suggestions to our email address, which is feedback at intouchwithios.com. You can follow us on Mastodon at intouchwithios at techhangout.social. Support the show by buying me a coffee at intouchwithios.com slash coffee. We would really appreciate it. You can also become a patron of the show by going to patreon.com slash intouchwithios. We have two tiers available to support the show. We really appreciate it. Make sure you like, share, and subscribe so you are notified when we are live streaming, which is usually Thursday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash iOS, where you can watch the current and past live streams as well as the past shows. Visit In Touch with iOS magazine on Flipboard, where many of the topics we discuss are flipped into the magazine. The link is in our show notes. You can subscribe to the show in your favorite podcatcher, including Pocket Cast, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, and many others. But better yet, just go to our website at intouchwithios.com, where all the links to all the ways to listen to us are there. I am Dave Ginsberg, and you can find me on Mastodon at DaveG65 at Mastodon.cloud. 
Chuck Joyner, thank you so much for coming back on the show. We always love having you. Where can people find you? Hey, thank you for having me, Dave. It's always a pleasure. I look forward to it. Yes. Uh, you can find me at macvoices.com. That's where we're talking to lots of interesting people. Um, something special is coming up next week. Uh-oh. And that's all I'm going to say. So, and, But it's going to stretch out over the better part, if not the whole week. So be prepared. Um, and on all the socials, you can find me as at Chuck Joyner. On the major socials, I'm also at Mac Voices. Thanks again, David. It's always okay. fun to be here. Thank you. And uh, Ben Rathick, uh, thanks you for being here as well. Where can people find you? Uh, well, you can find me at Ben Rathick on social media, uh, rathick.tech for my writings. On uh, Tuesday nights, uh, you can find me on uh, that Chuck Joyner guy's Mac Voices show. On Thursday mornings, you can find me on... Uh, the big show with Jeff Gamut on Friday mornings. You can find me on the Mac show with interim host Jeff Gamut, and of course, most every Thursday you can find me here uh, on In Touch of iOS with Mr. Dave Ginsburg. Thanks, Ben. Appreciate it. And last but certainly not least, Jeff Gamut. Thank you as always for being here. We really appreciate it. Work people. Thank you for for letting me be part of this because I genuinely have a lot of fun. Um, okay, where can people find me? Social media. So I'm Jay Gamut on basically everything. Mastodon and Instagram. That's where I'm posting most of my stuff. Then for shows, Chuck keeps letting me back on Mac Voices Live on Tuesdays. Um, and Dave keeps letting me back on In Touch with iOS on Thursdays. Then on the British Tech Network, um, as been noted, I am your long-term interim host for the big show. And then again uh, on Fridays for the Mac show. And Brian Chaffin and I record the Context Machine. Great. Uh, right. Thank you, all of you. And thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the, the show. We enjoyed doing it. And we'll talk again soon. Oh, 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 oh,